Here we go, another edition of Gaz on the Go. Everything you need to know from the sports world in less than 30 minutes. Before we get into it, got to give shout-outs, got to give love to our friends over at Mohawk Honda, where they're always going out of their way to please you. Selection's key, and selection is king this summer at Mohawk Honda. If you're looking to trade in your vehicle, the best place to do it is at Mohawk Honda. I saw it again on the news the other day. So many car dealerships and people don't have the inventory. The world has changed because of covid And maybe where you live and where you're listening to this, they just don't have the ride that you want to help out your family, your lifestyle, and more. Mohawk Honda does. Take the drive to Glenville. Call the great people at Mohawk Honda, whether it's Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna, who I got my vehicle from, and more. Call them and be like, God said on this podcast you have this, do you? And make the drive over to a place that I know very well. I love my pilot, the best vehicle I've ever had in my life. And so many other people over the years here in the Capital Region have told me the same thing when they work with Mohawk Honda. Whether it's service, whether it's the sales team, whether it's the great people inside that help that experience of buying the car easier for you, they'll do that for you at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And... A shout out to our friends over at Tech East Fire and Water Restoration who have been the big sponsors for Godzilla Media this summer and partners with our shows, including the return of LeVac and Goss. That's right, my pal Jeff LeVac and I are back and we are going to continue to do our shows this summer. Thanks to Tech East Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal. If you've got fire, water, mold damage in your house somewhere and you need someone to help you fix it, Tech East Fire and Water Restoration can do that for you. And we will be broadcasting live this Saturday, 3.30 to 5 o'clock, outside the Albany Empire Block Party. Now, there's been the details of this continue to change because I was originally told we were going to be outside during the Block Party, which could be possible. But then I was told that all of a sudden we're going to be moving maybe to a different location. And if it's where I think we're going to be... Which now the rumor is we might be broadcasting live from the field. We haven't done that in a while. Usually we used to do that in basketball season. We're going to be somewhere on Saturday. The best way to listen to the show, youtube.com slash Media, where you could be right now listening to this podcast. Or the Techies Fire and Water Restoration Facebook page, facebook.com slash Water. Check it out right now. Give them a like, leave a comment, learn more about them. We will have their information if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or again on YouTube in the comments. The number to contact and all the other things you need to make sure that the thing happens in your life, water, mold, fire damage, and you're not ready for it, that first name that pops in your mind is Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Again, Levac and Goss back this Saturday somewhere near the Times Union Center. Best way to watch it, YouTube. Techies' Facebook page, and if you love your podcast, it's available on that Monday in the morning every single time during the week. Now, let's get into this week's edition of Gaz on the Go. There's a chance you're sick of me telling you what exactly we tape these podcasts, but it's worth it because, at least over the spring and the summer, we tape these so late at night. We're almost at midnight here on a Wednesday night talking about the action in the sports world. But I love it. I hope I continue to do this because it's hot off the biggest events in sports that night. And it continues to be the NBA playoffs. And this week, it's the NBA Finals. It was Game 4 between the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks. If you missed it, maybe you went to sleep early. We'll do an old-school way to do the post-game show, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, going up and having a block that we may now put in the discussion is one of the great blocks in championship basketball history. LeBron James's 
block against Andre Iguodala. Might be the greatest block. Now, remember, you're talking to a guy from Syracuse, and when I talk about championship game blocks, my boy Hakeem Warwick going up in 2003 and blocking the shot from Kansas and helping the Orange win the national championship. Then the Orange men win the championship. I can't not acknowledge that. Of course, that's in college in comparison to the NBA, but that's how good Giannis Antetokounmpo's block was at the end of the game. That was the good. And also Chris Middleton, who continues to put his name in the conversation as one of flat-out the best players in the NBA. Is he one? Is he two? No. But when we talk about all-star caliber players who people may call underrated, underappreciated, all those terms, that stops now when we talk about Chris Middleton and how good he was. This is another 40-point performance game? That's what Chris Middleton is capable of. When the Greek freak was injured, they truly, the Bucks didn't lose a step. And Chris Middleton continues to go out and put up big numbers, and he does that from Milwaukee again. And... All those things happening, 40-point game from him and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the tide feels like it's swung for Milwaukee, although now it's 2-2 two to two in the series. That's what it felt like for that emotional victory in a home against the Phoenix Suns for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, that's the good. The bad is the arguments happening on social media now. My pal Bert, love him. He's been saying it for years. I got to give him credit. At Sir Burton, you're going to hear more about him probably this month when he talks about his NBA draft prospects. They'll love the way he does it. But he is not alone. Rob Parker from Fox Sports used to always have this take, even when he was back with ESPN. The foul-out discussion. Devin Booker, the all-star player, the standout, one of the great young players in the NBA, play with about three minutes to go in the game. He's going up. It is no doubt a foul. Body-to-body contact, quoting Ja Rule right there. And he goes up, and it's clearly a foul. It's not a block. If the whistle blows, Devin Booker's out of the game with three minutes to go. That's foul number six. He's done. What Burt and Rob Parker and others have said, even I think believe Skip Bayless is on this, is that the NBA should increase the fouls to seven or eight. No, they shouldn't. This gets brought up every playoff year because a all-star caliber player picks up too many fouls and might end up costing their team the game. Just don't continue to foul them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the numbers. It could be seven. It could be eight. It could be nine. Why are we going to continue to increase it? Are we going to see more hack-a-shack style of games? I don't want that. It actually would hurt the sport because they have more opportunities to do that. Potentially, it could be more of a physical sport. Now, some people would love it. Some people would love to get back to the old days of the late 80s and early 90s of the bad boy Pistons and more football than actual basketball being played out there. Not me. Stop with that. Six is fine because what would happen is a year from now, we talk about seven's too low and eight's too low. Once the limit is set, keep it there because it actually helps the sport and makes it less physical going forward. So the bad is that, that we have this discussion that the referees unfortunately become the talk and topics of the conversation post-game, that whether or not the whistle went this way or that way. When you hear that last statement, though, when both teams think the officiating was bad, at least it wasn't swayed in one way or the other. So there we go. I'm glad it's just not one call, one moment costing a team a game rather than there should have been a foul here or a foul there. That can happen in a lot of sports. The ugly was Chris Paul. Oh, my God. What the hell happened? Chris Paul, the Hall of Fame guard. We've talked about Chris Paul a bunch on this podcast about what it's meant for him to be for the Phoenix Suns. 
I've said before, I'm not a super Chris Paul fan. I feel like in the past, he's been compared to my guy Carmelo Anthony too much because Melo gets ripped apart and crapped on and shit on about how he doesn't have a championship in professional sports. And all of a sudden, Chris Paul gets a pass even though he's a point guard and never got into an NBA Finals until this year. Can't dribble. Can't turn on the road basketball. He's costing the team the game. Now, Chris Paul had some great games earlier in the playoffs that you could argue were the best games of his entire career when the games mattered the most. But he can't handle the ball anymore. We're talking about Chris Paul. Maybe he's done. Maybe this is it. It's hard to figure out Chris Paul because I wouldn't tell you Chris Paul was done. I would have given him another year or two, especially with the impact that Phoenix is able to still do this. What he meant for that franchise. But if he's going to keep turning over the basketball like that, they can't put him on the court. Devin Booker's going to have to be the primary ball handler and not Paul. And what is Paul going to do if he's the two? He's not the shooter on that team. That was the ugly. That you got a Hall of Fame guard who can't dribble all of a sudden like he's in the Space Jam sequel. And that girl's stealing the basketball from her like he's Charles Barkley on the playground. You ain't no Charles Barkley. You'll want to be. That's not Chris Paul out there. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good were the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, and Chris Middleton. The bad is the conversation coming back about the foul out rule. And you can tweet me, at Tom Gons, T-O-M-G. It was easy about that more. And the ugly, Chris Paul. We got a series now, everybody. We got a series 2-2. The people who are saying, oh, it's a boring NBA Finals that Marky... Give this final some love. Game five, we're going to see either a franchise who's never won a championship before in the Phoenix Suns or a team that's waited about 50 years to win a championship in the Milwaukee Bucks bring home an NBA title to their respective cities. UFC 264 this past weekend. Conor McGregor, the notorious one, versus Dustin Poirier. I heard the fight. I was fired up. Couldn't wait to watch it. I don't want to keep coming on here and saying that the UFC cards were disappointing because there were some fun finishes. There were some interesting calls and maybe some names that were emerging. Sugar O'Malley, Gilbert Burns, hopefully continued in the future, becoming more household name for the casual UFC fan. So that is exciting if you're rooting for the sport. It feels like those last fights, though, like a show, like a movie, If you don't like the ending, that can sum up the show. That goes for any type of entertainment industry. I didn't like the ending of McGregor Poirier. Look, if Conor McGregor gets choked out or knocked out, you shrug your shoulders. If you bought the fight for 70 bucks and say, okay, may not be the result that I want, but we got some action. And vice versa. If Dustin Poirier KO'd or choked out, McGregor's running around the ring like a, I should say the octagon like a nut. And he's talking smack, then there you go. You got what your $70 you were hoping for paid off for. But when he gets hurt, and not just hurt, but just laying there where he can't really defend himself and feels like he got cheated out of the victory, and even for the McGregor haters, you got to remember this. Conor McGregor has, in almost every single fight, that was the first one where it didn't happen, has been humble in defeat. He thanked Floyd Mayweather for giving him the opportunity Thank Diaz in defeat. Nurmaga made off. It's hard to even remember if there was a humble ending to that fight because of the brawl that started and everybody jumping in the octagon and everything else. But you'd be surprised. More than most times, he actually is humble in defeat. Instead, we get this moment where Joe Rogan is sitting next to McGregor on the octagon with a broken leg, ankle, foot, whatever how way we want to describe it for McGregor. McGregor still talking smack to Poirier, sitting down, 
Another ref- wrestling reference here, like the 2005 Royal Rumble when Vince McMahon blows out in real life both of his quads. And Batista and John Cena both went over the top rope and McMahon actually can't stand up. That's basically what we got. If Poirier won and I come on here and say, hey, I was bummed. Yeah, okay. I want to see McGregor win. I'm a fan of McGregor. That's not the way I want his career to end. Because for years we've talked about, is it the end for McGregor? Is it the end for McGregor? Maybe it's a played out and dumb storyline at this point. But that's not how I want the career to end. Could have said the thing about Ronda Rousey, right? Like Ronda Rousey's final fight in the UFC. She's getting her head bounced around like a volleyball by Amanda Nunes. I don't want to see an end like that. I don't see George St. Pierre not be the same type of fighter, even though he fought at the Garden. Or Chuck Liddell or any of these other fights. Anderson Silva. I don't want to see him go out like that. One more fight from McGregor against the real UFC talent in a victory, and then he can go off into the sunset. And if you want to fight one of the Paul brothers for a huge payday, God bless you. Go right ahead. I'll probably order it. Probably will. I can't believe I've gone that far. I told you I'd never watch a Jake Paul fight or a Logan Paul fight, and more people are interested in that than some of the actual more popular UFC or even boxers. Shows you where the industry may be going. Just give me one more McGregor fight the right way. As much as everything in the Octagon made headlines for UFC 264, two things outside the Octagon made headlines. Now, I wanted to use the audio of this. I'm still in this early process of what I am and am not allowed to use audio-wise. When I worked at 104.5, the team at ESPN Radio, the ESPN audio was available for all ESPN affiliates. So that was easy for clearance. Podcast World, even though it's now public information, Still working on what exactly can and can't use. I would go listen to, you know what, give them the clicks. I don't mind. I think I can share in the podcast world. Go listen to the Ariel Helwani interview. It is the best interview I've heard of anything in 2021. Ariel Helwani on the Dan Lemitard Show. Listen under Big Suey. Listen to what he had to go through involving Dana White. And the headlines that, as Dan Lemitard calls him, the modern-day Howard Cosell. That's what Ariel Helwani is. Love Ariel Helwani. I got to interview him a few times. You heard about his relationship with Troy Farkas on an earlier podcast. Huge Ariel Helwani fan. Really cool guy. Do you know who Addison Ray is? Younger people may know. You listening may or may not know the name Addison Ray. She is a TikTok star. Millions upon millions of followers on the multiple social media platforms. Addison Ray is truly the term that some people can't even believe is a real term. She is truly a social media influencer. People care about the content she puts out there, and she has a huge following out there. The most, when we talk about TikTok, of anybody. Addison Ray became a headline name because she went to Twitter and posted, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. And there she was working for the UFC, and it went viral. And not viral because of how cute she was or where the photo was taken or anything she said. Viral in the way in which there was venom set her way from a variety of people. Not just the regular social media trolls who come out and want to get attention. But my fellow colleagues and media members in the world of journalism and media of pure jealousy. That's it. You want to talk about a field that is filled with jealous people. And this is not me 
trying to hit people who are working alongside shoulder to shoulder with me or a battle between new versus old school, traditional versus non-traditional media formats and more. This is just people feeling like they should have got the spot. You want to talk about fields like comedy and music and sales about people showing their competitive nature. People in media didn't even hide it. They're like, how dare she get this job? What an insult to journalism. I can't believe the UFC would do this. Why would they hire? Oh my God. Relax. Chill out. The girl's got 50 million followers on social media. and The UFC thought, you know what's a good idea? If she shares our content, it's good for our business. As much as I can't stand Dana White, it's a great business decision. If someone can help your product get more eyes on the product, why in the world would you not hire her to just stand in the back and ask questions? Yeah, her tweet and social media post was snarky and rubbed it in the face of the haters and everything else. And because she stuck her chest out and said, look where I am, not out of poo-poo, stuck her tongue out at you, you didn't like it. Oh my goodness, journalism people. I did not realize the jealousy came like that. I'll give credit to our pal down in Miami, Alex Deneau, formerly of 560 The Ticket, or 580 The Ticket, and then renamed to Joe. It's not a good sign for radio when you go through like three different names. And Alex doesn't even work for them anymore. Uh, Alex said, why do we care? I wasn't getting the job. You tweeting at her weren't getting the job. Why wouldn't, like I just said, the UFC hire her to do it? So let's back off on some of these people that get these opportunities because they do a good job on social media. By the way, she didn't get the opportunity. She got fired because of it. Didn't even let her work the event. Relax. When it comes to people getting opportunities and them talking about it, don't show the jealousy. It's a bad shade for some of our fellow colleagues in the media world. And you listening, were you getting mad at Addison Ray? Why? Because she was successful? Let the UFC use her and do her thing. Well, speaking about the media world, she wasn't the only one who found herself in hot water, some controversy this past week. That other person was Stephen A. Smith. For those who don't know, I'm a Stephen A. Smith fan. Not because of, oh my God, I love First Take. I can't get enough of it. Oh, I watch Stephen A.'s world every single day on ESPN+. Plus. Not like that. I respect his hustle because he's got First Take. He works the Sports Center hits whenever they need him. In within the last 18 months, he had the Stephen A. Smith show that aired on ESPN New York. So you do first tank, then the sports radio show, and then the NBA coverage, then Sports Center, then Stephen A.'s world, then he'd get back up and do it again. So this guy was working 12 to 14 to 16 hour days, relatively speaking. The work's not hard, I get that. But even though he ends up being what ESPN's highest employee on the on air talent side, making 8 million bucks a year, he's not saying no. And this is still a media-based podcast at times where someone would offer the advice of don't say no to any opportunities. Don't you hit a part of your career where you're like, you know what? I'm going to start saying no to stuff. Because you're paying me a lot of money, I get I'm going to be expected to do a lot of work. But wouldn't it be nice if I have less obligations and I get paid more money? Isn't that a goal of some people that you hit that part of your career where you can actually do less and still have some type of impact in your field? Nonetheless about that, Stephen A. Smith found himself in controversy because of the comments involving Shohei Otani, where to sum it up, basically he said, somebody who needs an interpreter can't be the face of baseball. And then he doubled down, whether he even realized it, 
In that same episode, it started mocking the Nigerian basketball team and acting like he couldn't pronounce any of their names. Now, we have to break this down. I'm not going to give an eight-minute monologue about how dumb Stephen A is and how awful the comments were. That's too easy. That's the low-hanging fruit. That's the obvious thing. I'm not going to waste my time doing that. I think we have to offer up what actually happened for Stephen A. Smith. And this is not an excuse rant for Stephen A. It's just to put in perspective what's going on with him. Let's start with the Nigerian basketball team first. Remember what First Take is. First Take is at its core what really sports talk radio was, still is. And that's this goal to draw emotion out of people. To say outrageous things, to have an outrageous personality, to entertain, to draw the emotion out of people. What I mean by that is that when you listen to a sports talk radio show or you listen to these opinion-based shows like First Take or First Things First that's still out there or un- what is the show with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless called? Undisputed? They're trying with their emotion to draw emotion out of you. Whether they hate your team or love your team or tell you LeBron's the GOAT or tell you LeBron's the worst or the Cowboys stink when Stephen A. does his rants and Kellerman gets on his Giants and everything. That is designed at its core to be an entertainment-based show to get that hate or love or laugh or whatever else you want to term a term of emotion to get out of you. Look, that is radio at its core. Guys like Rush Limbaugh and Clay Travis, you may absolutely hate, but they're some of the most popular radio hosts of all time. The classic scene about Howard Stern in private parts where he talks about the ratings with pig vomit and the bosses. And the most frequent answer is, I hate Howard Stern, I love Howard Stern, but I want to see what he's going to say next. Mike and the Mad Dog. Jim Rome, Colin Cowherd. Guys, I'm naming off some of the biggest names in the history of sports talk and talk radio in general. They would get people to love or hate their opinions. That is a part of that. Again, love, hate, mad, angry, agree. All those emotions of what makes that field so entertaining for people. And that's what Stephen A. was trying to do with the Nigerian basketball team. He was trying to dismiss the team in a way in which he thought was entertaining. Rather than, I'm not quite sure of the players' names. No one cares about that. He wanted to draw that emotion out of people. So you have to remember that First Take is an entertainment show first. It is not Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski breaking down breaking reports. And that's where it gets a little shaded. Because Stephen A is trying to play this game between journalist and not journalist. For those who remember, and I actually do when I was a kid because I have relatives in Philadelphia. I remember Stephen A. Smith as a columnist and a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Stephen A. Smith got his break in his career because he was the voice behind the Allen Iverson stuff in Philly. The practice rant and more when Allen Iverson was continuing to grow his popularity in Philadelphia. His guy was Stephen A. Smith. And that's how Stephen A. Smith got on the national landscape because of Allen Iverson. So he was a journalist. And then he became what he is now, which is far more as an entertainer. Which gets to that first thing about Shohei Otani. That's where Stephen A. Smith continued to not come off the journalist versus entertainment approach because he knew he screwed up. He knew what he was trying to say wasn't right. And we'll get to what he actually said here in about 90 seconds. But he went far too in the entertainment spot because he offered and said, I'm not apologizing. Then he said, we'll talk about it 
at 9.30 tomorrow on first take. So he's like, I know this is going to get emotion out of people. I got to make sure to plug this show so we can get ratings off of my bad take. So he went full entertainer mode again because he knew in his mind, okay, if I'm entertaining people and people are going to tune in, that's my goal. I nailed it today. I got emotion out of people. People are pissed off at me. So I did my job right. And eventually he apologized for it. But it's a classic example of Stephen A. Smith being a competitor. He wants to be the best at what he wants. Again, another reason I really respect Stephen A. Smith. Because this is in his mindset. I swear, I believe this so true. That anybody, whatever you do for a living, you should set goals for yourself and say, I want to get this done. I want to be the starter of my respective team. I want to be the head of sales. I want to be the top dog in whatever I'm doing. Stephen A. Smith is the top guy at ESPN. But I bet the biggest knock on him is that he doesn't know fight sports as well as his co-partner, Max Kellerman. And you know what that does to Stephen A. Smith? It pisses him off. And he goes, oh, you think Max knows more about the fight sports than me? Okay, I want to be on every UFC and boxing event. I want to prove to people that I know just as much as Max. I don't want Max to have an advantage over me when we have these conversations on first take. So sure enough, there's Kellerman and there's Stephen A. both on the UFC coverage. So not only do we have all the stuff we covered earlier about what Stephen A. does, now he's working UFC events. And I know what Stephen A. meant to say. He just came off a UFC event on Saturday, flipped on Monday, and knew when he talked about marketability, that fighters and the fight game in particular, from McGregor to Tyson Fury to more, when you can talk, you can sell a fight. Guys like the Klitschko brothers and Canelo Alvarez and others with no disrespect to any of those people. But when we're talking about marketability for selling a fight, trash talk is what gets people worked up. Storylines. This goes back to the days of Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather and more. People either want to see them knock somebody out or get knocked out. That's a different mindset and a different take when we talk about the team sports world because you're not trying to sell a fight when you're talking baseball, basketball, and more. And some of you are going to disagree with my comments. Say, guys, you've got to do whatever you can. If people are rooting against you or for you in certain sports, that's good for the sport. That's what Stephen A. was trying to say. Hey, I just came off a fight on Saturday and I saw what Conor McGregor does for the sport. Imagine if Otani ran his mouth like that. Now, with that being said, I don't, and Richard Deitch, guy we've mentioned a few times in this podcast, had a great tweet about it. He goes, I must have missed the promos wrestling style, third wrestling reference in this podcast this week. I must have missed when Barry Bonds and McGuire and Sosa were cutting those 60 second promos talking trash to each other. It's a fair point. Stephen A. Smith constantly works at ESPN, he's an entertainer first. But now, maybe it's time for Stephen A. to just say no to stuff. Because people are waiting to pounce on his every mistake. My God, people are still giving him grief about saying Hunter Henry was on the Chargers. The guy's going to make a mistake. He's on the air for 10 to 12 hours a day. That's the problem. It's crossed over to entertainment rather than journalism. And some of us can and some can't tell the difference between that now. While we're on the fight game, real quick here on Fury versus Wilder, I'll make it fast for you. Really upset that that fight got pushed back because of COVID. COVID breakout in the Tyson Fury camp. The fight's not going to happen this month. This was the opportunity. Oh, Tyson Fury, I'll stick by it. Somebody can prove me wrong. At Tom Gaz, T-O-M-G. It was easy on Twitter. Gaz at GazzillaMedia.com. The athlete that had his or her career most affected by COVID-19 in the professional ranks is Tyson Fury. 
from the WrestleMania appearance to a rematch with Wilder to Joshua. Now this one, the calendar is wide open. When the NBA, the NHL, and basically just baseball was going to be out there post-McGregor fight, people fired up for another opportunity to see a big-time fighter. Doesn't happen. Wilder allegedly is actually going to turn into a better boxer this time, but when you head into the fall and you've got college football and the NFL and baseball's playoffs and more, it might get a lot less eyes on it than before. I'm bummed for Wilder Fury. It's bad for boxing that this fight didn't happen sooner. There's not much more to say to it than then. I'm sad I can't talk about Fury and Wilder 3 sooner than that. The home run derby. Didn't we all want to see Trey Mancini win? I don't want a Baltimore Oriole fan, but wouldn't it have been a great story if Mancini beats colon cancer, comes back, wins the home run derby? Could they have let him win, please? Pete Alonzo. Here's a hot take for you on this guys on the go. Is the greatest home run derby competitor of all time. He's better than McGuire. He's better than Griffey Jr. He's better than these weird home run derbies that were with grainy video with no fans. Tell me who's better than Pete Alonso. To quote Jim Harbaugh, who's got it better than us? Nobody. Pete Alonso is the greatest home run derby competitor of all time. When you put up the amount of home runs he hits, the new format, the comebacks and more, the polar bear, the big time prospect, the person, doesn't it seem like a, like decades ago when people used to say the reason the Mets didn't want to bring up Pete Alonso is because he couldn't field? If you're smashing dingers like Alonso is, who cares? The Mets are in first place and Pete Alonso is the face, along with Jacob deGrom, of the National League East. The home run derby is Pete Alonso's land. And one more time, I'll defend baseball. If you watch the All-Star game like I do, I watch it from the first pitch all the way to the ninth inning. It's my favorite baseball game besides the playoffs when they hit to watch. Vlad Jr., who I got to see in person two years ago. He's going to be amazing. The youngest MVP in All-Star Game history. Fernando Tatis Jr., who embraces it. Who wants to be the guy that does the interviews and be, talked about and leads San Diego and be the face of the franchise. You've got a lot. Pete Alonso bopping his head, looking like Miles from Hardball. Listen to I Love It When You Call Me Big Papa. By the way, that movie was stacked with some actors and actresses. Keanu Reeves and Diana Lane were in that movie. Those with these young guys in baseball can and will continue to do. We've already touched on Otani. Baseball has the marketability. Baseball has the names. Baseball is having these guys become the people you want to root for. Embrace that a new era is here. I grew up, like I've said already in this podcast, in the 90s with names like Sosa and McGuire and Griffey Jr. and more. I could run through so many different names. There seems to be a new wave of athletes. If you're a young kid... Find one of these guys and let this guy be your favorite player going forward. Major League Baseball doing everything they can. And I like what the future looks like for that sport, in particular with these star players who are on the way. The best bet of the weekend is on a Thursday this week. And for some of you, time to celebrate. For others, you're going to find this to be disappointing. This is the final best bet until college football comes back this August. I could keep picking random baseball games, which some have had success with, some I haven't. Done better than I thought. But a lot of the most exciting bets you want to play, we'll probably do a futures one that's second to last week in August, talking about college football plays I'm going to like. So this will be the last best bet. Hopefully, again, I've done this tease like five times, we'll have a more betting and horse racing themed podcast on the way this summer for Godzilla Media. Last time I'll tease that because I can't keep doing that to you guys. But 
I think we are finally closed on and all that stuff. Hint, hint on that. My best place is tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this on Thursday, opening day, 4.30 at Saratoga. The name of the race, the LeVac race. That is not a joke. That is not a nickname. If you go to your program, it says it right there. Opening day, seventh race, Saratoga, 429, the LeVac race. Yes, Tony Alivato, our pal over at Nair Vets, held true to his word and named an opening day race either after LeVac or myself after the LeVac and God's boot bet last season where LeVac got me on the final Friday of the season. He beat me on the final bet. It's awesome, but he's got a legit race named after him. And when we're taping this, I like the seven, Mr. Tip. And why do I like the seven? Because I've gotten to know LeVac, one of his favorite combinations to bet at Saratoga. Steve Asmussen is the trainer. Ricardo Santana Jr. is the jockey. He's had a lot of success. I know because I've been sitting next to him when he used to bet that all the time. He loves that one-two punch, but it's Ricardo Santana Jr. and Michael Maker. I'm a big fan of the Michael Maker farm. I've got some connections over there. Shout out to those guys. Don't want to say the names because I don't want to get my tips given away. But Michael Maker, Ricardo Santana Jr. I don't have the odds in front of me because I know Saratoga how quickly those odds can move on. Saratoga Racing Day. But I'm hoping the seven, Mr. Tip, in honor of LeVac, my pal, I'm going to roll with his favorite jockey and that connection he's had success with at Saratoga. So there you go. A win bet, by the way. $10 win bet on the seven. Nice and easy. Won't get crazy with tries and supers and anything else. There it is. Guys on the go. All the sports talk you need. We went a little over 30 minutes this week. That was pretty awesome. We had a lot of good topics to deal with and more. You've already heard it. Don't forget, LeVac and Goss will dive deeper into a lot of these other topics. You want to hear a topic, by the way, on this upcoming edition of LeVac and Goss. You've heard the outlets before. Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z on Twitter. Goss, G-O-Z at GossZillaMedia.com. If you're not on social media, let me know what you want us to talk about on Saturday. And we'll catch you next week.